There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Jada, Dundalk and Cavan. We have amazing offers available across new and pre-owned petrol, diesel, LPG, plug-in hybrid and electric Renault, Dacia and Opel range. Low APR and zero deposit packages available. See blackstonemotors.ie. Welcome to Late Lunch, a brand new week of Late Lunch. Lovely to have you with us at the show. We have to be full of the joys of spring. It's not spring, it's not summer, it's even autumn. The joys of autumn this week because the weather is going to be glorious. Now, not as intense, the heat, I have to say, as we experienced back in July, but just lovely. Soothing Irish people, I think, hovering around the 20 degrees and dry. And it's the last week of school holidays. In fact, some schools going back uh, this week uh, to the classroom, indeed. But anyway, thank God for it. We welcome it warmly. I have to say that uh, my grass... Oh, my God, is your grass grown? I have to say mine. I just I have to get out this evening with the more. I, I put a, a feed on the front one a few weeks back during the dry spell, and it's really kicking in now when the moisture came. I cut it. It must be only a week ago, and it's gone mad again. Same in the back. So plenty of grass to be cut in the Kelly household and I'm going to get at it this evening. Welcome to the show. We've lots of chat over the next couple of hours. My artist of the week, he's it was a child prodigy and he's just sensational. I'll tell you more about him later on. We have a love story that began... Uh, in Old Castle, to, uh, found its way to the Golden Gate Bridge. We'll tell you that one a little later. Andrea Marr is here, her new novel. It's incredible. And it's based on a personal experience of her child going missing. Will you hear this one? And uh, Nicola Cullity's here. Uh, she's a specialist uh, in CBT. She's a teacher herself, and it's about managing anxiety in your teenagers, especially for parents, guardians, and teachers as well. She'll be talking to us in a little while. If you want to get in touch with us on the show, the numbers, you need them 086 18 658 WhatsApp or text us to that number if you have something to say if you have a comment to make and you can also call in of course on 1850 I'm joined now by somebody who I call a good friend of ours on Late Lunch I've spoken to him on a number of occasions through the years he's a fantastic guy he's a really funny man when I mention Rory's story is to you well the sketches he's produced down the years have just been sensational but he's a serious man too when it comes to mental health and his health in general and life and he's back with me on the show today Rory O'Connor hello again Jerry how are you getting on I'm getting on really well lovely to chat to you today on the show well before we get into the meat of the matter you must be a happy mead man the women are in the final the minors are in the final it's only a matter of time isn't it before the men are there yeah yeah no it's great now things are starting to to happen again like um, well in fairness the lads put up a great show against yeah. Dublin and Mayo proved that you know they were really there for the taking on the day but 
bit of experience maybe caught us, but it's definitely going in the right direction. And then, sure, the Mead ladies are are, are an incredible bunch. Like, you know, they, they lost the two uh, intermediate finals in a row, came back, won the third, and here they are now facing this great Dublin team in all Ireland final. Um, and as I said, we've the minors there as well against Tyrone. So, yeah, it's... Uh, Good times again for the Royal County, thank God. It is, and in a general sense, I know you're a great gal man and follower. Weren't Limerick sensational yesterday? Ah, yeah, like, like from a neutral, it was kind of like, I know it was great to watch, but like, you'd rather a tighter game, but then they just kind of got to the stage where you wanted them to keep keep, keep hammering at it because they're just the performance and the level of skill, um, the level of skill they have is incredible. And I, I was lucky enough, Jerry. Uh, to tell last year, um, I went down to the to, uh, to the Gaelic grounds in Limerick to do a little kind of a private gig. Now it was outdoors and all that. Unfortunately, COVID, it was under the stand there. But that, um, after the training session, done a, a bit of a gig for them before the All Ireland final last year, and I was lucky enough to get there a bit early, and I got to watch them train for about forty-five minutes, and I just. I can't describe to the level of skill these lads have and just everything is so comfortable like when they're just like everything is so easy to make it's like watching a good golfer a professional golfer mm. they make it to make it look so easy and they're such big strong fellas as well but they listen like, they'll be hard bet for a few years in my opinion for sure like. yeah I agree with you I was saying that this morning to several people that I think they're going to dominate for a time and lastly before we leave uh, GAA Rory, can Mayo do it? Can they beat Tyrone or Kerry to at last lay this bogey that's been haunting them since 1951? Yeah, well, it's one of them. You're listening, listening to the to the heart rather than the head. Like I'd love to see them do. I I give them a chance. Like mm. like stranger things have happened than Aidan O'Shea having a man of the match performance and and Mayo winning. That's like because he obviously he probably felt as low as he did in his football career being taken off in the heat of battle but you know uh, it's all teed up from now to have a great game and kind of get Mayo over the line but again with this Kerry forward line mm. not right now off Tyrone either they know how to be Kerry but at the same time Kerry seemed to be the real the real deal like um, and just on that I'd be ashamed uh to leave the GA chat without mentioning Rob Kearney back with Cooley Kickham's there I see at the weekend yes. like, <laughs> he played uh, I saw that yeah. Jesus Christ! I tell you, imagine you, you you're rocking up full back and in comes Rob Kearney, like, <laughs> um, and he still looks fit. He still looks as fit as ever. And oh yeah! I was saying, I I play him. Someone was saying you should play him around midfield, and he's launched the ball in. And by the time he gets in there, there's only one man that's going to catch the ball after he's kicked it. Knowing <laughs> his skill up the high ball, but it's it's it's, um, yeah. it's great to see though. It's great to see him mm. back, like and just shows where his heart lies and. And fair play to him, great fellow. Like. Yeah, yeah, and of course he did play centre field for Loud Miners before he went off on that wonderful rugby career. I'm just picturing that, as you said there, the up and under in rugby down in Cooley and he scores a goal, yes, incredible indeed. One other thing, and I'll get to this, I'll get to the point of this in a moment, the entertainment industry of which you are part, we see the national uh, advertisements in all the papers yesterday, big spreads from the entertainment in- industry covering everybody off. What's your feeling when you see 40,000 in Crow Park and there's no gigs? Yeah, like, like I spoke to a few people in the industry recently. It's just very, it doesn't make sense. Like, like, like you look at a at, at kind of Cliniff Road there yesterday and it was a stampede. And listen, don't get me wrong, it was great to see, but yet a man isn't allowed, that makes his living out of singing in pubs around the country, isn't allowed to go and sing a few songs. Like, and I get a grip now, really, at this stage. Like, I, I, I'm lucky enough in a way that 
I'm doing a gig in Clarny next month, which I'm looking forward to. It. But to be honest, with Jerry, it's not the appetizer. Like it's outdoors. It was 200 capacity. Uh, you had to book the tickets in group of, groups of six. You had to come at a certain time. Like I was reading through the kind of T's and C's, and I was saying to my manager, Jason, I wouldn't even buy a ticket myself for that because <laughs> even though they're trying to get people back, but it doesn't really, it doesn't whet the appetite. Now, they they had to change it to you could buy tickets in twos because mm. people weren't buying tickets af- across any show. So I think they're starting to move a bit now, but it's not what we want, Jerry. I don't want to be standing on stage outdoors, you know, and it starts lashing rain and people take for cover and you're standing there with a mic in your hand. And, you know, there's not really too much intimacy in that surrounding telling a story. But this, it's a start. Uh, I'm looking forward to it, going down and trying out a bit of new stuff. But they need to, they need to start. Like, look, England, they took a gamble and it doesn't seem to have went too bad for them. So I think we need to move forward with all this, like, you know. I think I've heard it all now. Rory O'Connor wouldn't buy a ticket to his own gig if he had to buy it in the current circumstances. There's a quote. That is a quote for sure. Anyway, Rory, look, on a serious matter, you've spoken to us in the past uh, on the mental health uh, uh, issues and uh, been so influencing in, in, in what you've had to say. Now, we copped on the physical side of health. You recently had a colonoscopy. How recently? Oh, just Friday gone there. Um, last up, up in Monaghan General Hospital there, just the Friday gone, yeah. Hmm. And Rory, may I, I'm prying a little bit, but what was it? Was it a routine one or one specifically for a reason? No, specifically because I I have anyone who's read any of my books will know I I have a few weak I have weak bells and I've often had to leave a training session in the middle of, of a drill to go to the toilet. That's happened to me a few times before. And Andy McInerney go, where the hell is that fella gone? <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be running to the toilets when he was managing us. But I just have weak bells. And it's something that's a bit of a disability because you can't trust him. You could be out for a meal and, and alarm bells go off and you need to get to the toilet quick. And it's it's tough. So I decided eventually to, to get it done. And, and thankfully now nothing major came up like um so i have to start looking at maybe i don't know dietary or something like that might be triggering i'm not really sure but it was a fair experience and i'll definitely be telling the story about it on stage anyway because uh, that's what i do with the live shows i just live my life and then just tell the story about mm. about awkward scenarios but yeah it was it was it was an experience that's for sure like well i've had three and i'm due a fourth now this year which is booked in already this will be my fourth time and uh uh, like yourself, um, you know, I, I, I have to say this, that the importance of, of having these things done, Rory, and I know you've been saying this subsequently, can't be overemphasized. Yeah, like, 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 like listen, we're at the stage now uh, where there shouldn't be anything embarrassing to talk about in society. Like, look where, what, look what we've done in the last number of years with referendums, etc. Look what we've all been through. So I just don't feel anyone should be embarrassed about any personal thing. Like I know especially men, you know, will be stubborn with get oh, geez, I'll be grand, I'll be grand. But like you know, if at the end of the day this this saves lives. Like if you get that done and there might be something they didn't know was there and they can treat it and, and save you. That that is the bottom line. And like it's a very straightforward procedure. Like, you know, it's it's thankfully you have the, the sedated option. Uh God, I wouldn't imagine it without that. But uh, I mean either I, uh, I, I I was funny because I was sitting I was sitting in my chair after kind of digesting what just happened with say excuse the pun like and uh, I I hear another fella being wheeled out beside me and he just say you won't go on. 
one says to him, uh, well, did you get sedated? You did. And he goes, I didn't, but I'll tell you one thing. I will the next time, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I, I, I couldn't imagine it, I have to say, without the sedation. And, and it's comfortable in my book, to be honest with you, when you're sedated. And the one thing I remember about it is waking up and being starving and dying for the cup of tea and the wee um, snack afterwards. But here's the thing, what I hate about it, and I know people maybe are having their dinners now, but we'll talk about this, is the day before when you have to drink, is it called piccolo or pickle something anyway? But Jesus, it pickles the inside of you. Oh, you wouldn't, you wouldn't put it in your worst enemy's cup of tea, wouldn't you? I wouldn't even put it in a dub man's cup of tea. Put it that way, like it's, uh, it's, 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 it's serious stuff. Like, oh. you know, it's serious, Jerry. When it, when a pharmacist gives you the nod as much as say, no, you don't have any plans now for the next few hours. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because <laughs> because uh, Dun- Dunhamore were playing a friendly up in the club that evening. And I was hoping to go to it, but geez, I, I, I never mind. Leave the house. I couldn't leave the, the room. It's 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 serious. Like it is. Um, it is. It's. Uh, I don't know where it all comes from, as a man says. You know. Uh, but yeah, listen. It is what it is, and it, it, it's uh, it's not enjoyable. And no. you need pseudo cream at the ready and all that kind of stuff. But it's uh, it has to be done, and definitely like you know anyone that might think something or it's worth getting done and. It only takes 15 minutes, uh, you know, the yeah. actual procedure. Mm, um, mm. And you're, you're done. And, and, it's, and this, at the end of the day, if, if, if it makes you aware of what's going on inside you for a good reason, well, then it's worth it. No, Absolutely. No. And I wanted you to come on today and emphasise that message. You being an influencer as well, it is important to say you're right. Something can be going on. We know nothing about it till it's too late. Whereas having these procedures, despite all we say and the bit of a laugh we have about beforehand, it does clear you out. It's the biggest clear out you'll ever have. Never mind the other thing. What do you call it? Colonic irrigation. That's a walk in the park, I'd say, compared to this stuff. But there you go. Colonoscopy, a thing to be had. And get them done. Don't hold back. If you're worried at all, go to your uh, GP or whatever and set the wheels in motion. The other thing, oh, motion, I shouldn't have mentioned that. That was a very bad word to pick there. Anyway, um, Celebrity Hell Week. Was this worse than the colonoscopy? Uh, oh, yeah. To, geez, to, uh, the, to, to relate to it, the colonoscopy w- would be like getting an ice cream and sitting down and relaxing compared to this. Like That's that's how, I suppose, an off-the-Richter scale this Hell Week show was. But listen, it was, it was a great opportunity to go and for me personally to kind of see what you're about like that's what that show is like if you're willing to give it everything you know you'll find out I suppose stuff about yourself that you, like you mightn't have even known and they they do they do interviews during the show and listen they're, they're tough interviews and they're tough talks and stuff like that but um, I think overall it's a it's going to be a fantastic show because a lot of people that are well known to the public will open up about their own real kind of thoughts and, and, and demons and stuff like that. It's a very real show. Like it's, it's, it's probably the, the raw show RT one will ever show or have ever shown. If you get me, I spoke mm. to producers and they said, yeah, just, they haven't shown out like this before. But I think, I think the timing of it is very good after the pandemic and that first show so real, but no, listen, it was, it was an amazing experience and I wouldn't do it again now, mind you, but it was great to do it once off. Like, I just seen you quoted saying you were starving, you had no sleep, 
you, you don't know how you actually got through it, the whole thing. You, you know what I mean? These are the words that you use yourself. So you've really, and that's just you. There's how many involved? Uh, 18 celebrity recruits and it's going on air on the 8th of September on RT1 at half past nine. You, you obviously tell us this is no camera switched off, no editing, no reruns. It's as it happened. Yeah, that's it. Like, it's like, honest to God, when you're after an hour, you forget there's even cameras there. Like, you know, there, there's obviously cameras everywhere you look, but you, you, you kind of, you, you're so engrossed. To, see, the DS is um, basically the Armour Ranger wing. These are serious men. There's no messing with these and, and they don't care who you, like, they made a massive example of Peter Stringer uh, on the first day, like to kind of lay down the marker. And I never seen Paul Peter Stringer as, as, as so out of his comfort zone. Jeez, he... A rabbit in headlights is probably the way to describe it, but it was weird seeing someone like him, a, a rugby legend, being so like he just didn't know what to be at. And the DSs were lifting him over, and yeah, like it's it's not for the faint-hearted, put it that way, Jerry. But I think it, it'll make for great TV, and the production was top class with helicopters and burning buildings and all this. But um, yeah, no, it was a great experience, and and uh, it was it was definitely something that that that. They definitely feel the benefits of mentally myself. I feel a little bit stronger in my head after going to where I went on that show. Like, um, and yeah, I think everyone's in the same boat. We, we're all very close since, and everyone kind of has a great, um, I wouldn't say experience of it, but you know, they took a lot from the show for their yeah. own lives, and that's why Hell Week is there. If you're willing to kind of give it everything, it'll give you something back in return, you know. And that's starting again on the 8th of September, RT1 at 9.30. Well, uh, well worth watching and looking forward to it indeed. Just before we finish, I know you had a new addition to the family uh, late last year as well. How are you getting on? You know, you, we touched on the work element of things, um, you know, and keeping going at this time, you know, looking ahead to the end of the year into next year. Are you confident that, you know, we are going to get out of this and, and, and move forward? Oh, yeah, like, I'd like to think so. I know, like, oh, listen, they're probably showing or telling us the case is probably too much. It should be once a week, really, at this stage. But I, I know they have to do the job. But yeah, like, I think, like, you look at the full stadiums over in, in England the last few weeks, which is great to see. And I haven't heard any mad backlash off that. And a lot of people are vaccinated. And I know the case are high and there's still a lot in the hospital, but... But Jerry, it's been tough. Like it's been a tough, as you know, since March 2020. Like for a lot of people, and a lot of people are carrying baggage from it, and like mightn't be as mentally where they would like to be. But that will come back over time, please God. But I think, I think we all need to just like, start getting getting back into normal living. And even you meet people are still afraid to shake hands and all that to have vaccinated. Like you know, it's left a mark. Like COVID definitely left mm. a mark on people, and we have to just try and move on as best we can. Like. Look, you're a great fella, and you're, you're, it's a joy to talk to you any time we do. And I wish you well with everything. And thanks for taking our call today and highlighting a very uh, important aspect of everybody's health. Rory O'Connor, for the moment, Slon. Cheers, Jerry. Mind yourself. Take care. Bye bye. Wonderful guy, isn't he, Rory O'Connor? Arses Martina Navin. Oh, Jerry, please, too much information at this time of the day. Look, I did tee it up for you. I did say, um, look, we'd be talking a little bit on the money as regards colonoscopies. Anyway, that talk is done for the moment. Although, maybe, might come back to it. <laughs> Stay where you are at Late Lunch Land. First break of the day and the week. 
when a picture Louise speaks a thousand words, you know what I'm talking about yeah. last Friday night in Oriel Park before and after the game between Dundalk and Drogheda United. Uh, we spoke last week about David Conroy losing his life and another gentleman as well in a shocking accident out on the road from Dalik. Uh, to Kilmoon Cross on the way there to Ashburn and uh, Joanna Byrne paying tribute to David Conroy from Leytown United and the Drogheda United under 14 coach and his son Alex they went everywhere together to watch Drogheda play home and away for the last number of years they just loved it and little Alex insisted he go to Oriel Park couldn't believe last Friday night and his older brother took him along but the picture of Gary Deegan the Drogheda player before the game was just something else but when I saw him after the game Embracing the little lad. Mm, so emotional. Oh, it, it, you Break know, it'll stick with me forever and ever when I saw that. It just, you didn't have to say anything and it just showed you sport. Well, you know, sport is sport. and uh, But that picture transcended everything. It Absolutely. really did. It really did. It's just something that... So like I was didn't even have to know about no, sport. If anything, no, you just saw no. the picture and your heart just melted. Yeah, yeah. well, oh, Gary Deegan, he was... And the draw the players, you know, they won the game as well. You know, they beat Dundalk for the first time in a while and afterwards they embraced them. Every one of them had the little fella uh, to their hearts afterwards. So well done to all concerned. It was such an emotional night. It really, really was. Now, just back to yourself, Louise, for a moment. And um, something we spoke about last week on the show. You got the iron out at last. <laughs> yeah, I found it and I took it out um, because I did tell you I would do something for you. So... She brought it in just before the show. She toasted a ham and cheese sandwich with the iron. I did. <laughs> so, right, you put the... And the clothes were still at home waiting to be ironed. <laughs> not a stitch in the house ironed, but the, the sandwich is done. Kids it's are in the pyjamas. <laughs> it's a step. It's a step in the right direction. But seriously, you put it into foil, ham and cheese, put it into foil, put your iron on the outside of the foil. Yeah. How long did you keep the iron Left on it, it for? There. I thought, I thought it would do really, really fast. Mm. You know, that you just cover yes. presses yeah, and... Yeah. But it didn't. So I just kind of put the iron on top of the um, tinfoil and went off and made the kids lunch. Okay. And kind of kept check. Even like my son came down Mm. and says, Mam, I told him what I was doing. He says, where's the fire extinguisher? (laughs) Just in case. And I says, well, if you haven't had to use it yet, we might cook and we're all right. (laughs) So I came back to it. I don't know, though, whether... Is there a safety feature on an iron that it doesn't get too hot? I don't Uh, know. It just seemed to... Yeah. Be well, nice. Well, 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 I tell you, I, I, the proof is in the pudding. One side was toasted. I only did one side. Yeah, it was toasted and you didn't go near the other side. No. So you tried it on one side. But you'd probably have to do both sides. You'd probably oh, have to yeah, stay with do. the iron, give it a dart, turn mm. it over and give it a dart. So I'll tell you, it's an improvisation. I will say and that to you. it melted the cheese it did. on the inside. It did. It and, certainly did. And it even has pleats. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how would a steam iron go on it? You know the steam iron, shh, we give it a good old steaming, huh? Probably boiled the ham. <laughs> might have, might have. But anyway, you've tried it, and, tried it and you it... believe there's something in this. Well, you've come across something. You know, if the grill was broken and the toaster was broken, mm. you probably would go to it, maybe. Mm. 
Anyway, give it a go, folks. It seems to work. It seems to work. Mm-hmm. It definitely seems to work. The toaster on sandwich the sandwich. T-shirt. Yeah. Best wishes to all our Paralympians and especially Eve McChrystal. The games begin tomorrow in Tokyo. We have a great team out there. Twenty-eight, twenty-nine participating, and we have wonderful hope of medals as well. And there's extensive coverage uh, on RTE and Channel Four Television over the coming days. We wish them all the very, very best. Now, I spoke to my next guest back in January and we had a wonderful conversation. She joined us to talk about homeworking, parenting and children being at home. She's back with me today for a different but related reason. I mentioned at the top of the show, teenagers, a lot going back to school late this week and into next week and college, etc. And anxiety in teens is a big, big issue for many of them and many families. Nicola Cullity is a teacher. She's been a teacher herself, a primary teacher for 20 years and she's now a specialist in cognitive behavioural therapy and she's on the line with me. Hello again Nicola. Hi Jerry. how are you? I'm very good, thanks for joining me on the show. I really enjoyed as I said our conversation back at the start of the year and it's wonderful to have you back with us. Can I ask you this to start teen anxiety levels from your experience through the years and where we are today uh, higher than ever? Yes, absolutely. Um, that's, I suppose, from my experience. Um, but it's also, y- you would just say, how could they not be? I think all of us have been operating from um, a, a survival mode for the last, um, well, over a year now, probably. So we're talking about um, teens who, it's a very, very difficult time for teenagers. Anyway, that time in their lives, it's a time of really significant growth, lots of um, growth and different processes happening in the brain anyway, um, which makes them rely on different parts of the brain that are associated with impulsive behavior. Managing emotions can be difficult. So throw on top of that a pandemic and you can see why Iris research research has shown that one in four teenagers um, are experiencing some level of psychological, um, you know, either anxiety or, you know, even low mood. Um, And to put that into perspective, that's six or seven children in, in classes that are sitting in front of teachers and support workers. That's a lot. You know, you have a class of 24 and 25, and we're talking about a quarter of them um, experiencing some kind of, um, you know, mental illness or mental, um, yeah, disorder uh, um, at that moment in their in their life, which is very, very difficult. Mm, That is worrying. And it's a significant number, as you say. For anybody listening to us today who have teens or involved with them or whatever, what are the classic signs of anxiety? So they can really um, present physically, you know, um, we might experience it ourselves from time to time, you know, sick feeling in the stomach, um, maybe dry throat. Sometimes it can exacerbate maybe even um, another illness that they have, like asthma, eczema or dermatitis. Um, So very, very physical, but also, you know, on a psychological level, maybe worrying a lot, um, seeking reassurance a lot, maybe avoiding um, going places because, uh, you know, from anxiety, maybe school refusal. So it can present in many, many different ways and, and parents are best placed to 
to notice those changes, I suppose, um, in their children. Um, but it really can, I suppose, either be, it doesn't always have to be that they're feeling sick or that they have migraines. Sometimes it can be that you notice that they're worrying more. They have safety behaviours. Maybe, you know, they're asking you um, to reassure them a lot. And that can really be a telltale sign that there is um, an underlying maybe anxiety or something that is worrying them. And say withdrawal from, you know, within the home, maybe to the bedroom a lot, going very quiet, lack of communications. Those things obviously are quite obvious. They're to be uh, focused on as well. Keep an eye for those. Absolutely. However, I would say, Jerry, that for teenagers and where they are in their development, the retreating to the bedroom is actually a good sign. Okay. And let me put that into perspective. When we uh, go through adolescence, we are kind of discovering who we are, what we want to be. It's called the self-determination theory. We, We kind of want to know, you know, what we're going to do with our lives. And we're not doing this on a conscious level. It's a subconscious level. So at that time in their lives, their friends become more important. And it is time a little bit for a short while, maybe, that parents kind of feel maybe that they're being maybe pushed aside. But it's very, very uh, normal, actually, for teenagers to want to spend more time with their friends, maybe spend more time on their own. So I wouldn't be overly concerned if there is, you know, the get out sign on the bedroom door. (laughs) We can still do things to, you know, help with this. You know, we can, you know, invite them for a movie night or we can say, oh, let's all have dinner together. But it really is an invite as opposed to uh, let's do this. We're doing it. So it's to give them that little bit of space as well. And as I said, it can be. It's obviously something that if it's it's very, very new and it's, you know, all the time. But if they are retreating to their room a little bit more, it can become their haven and their sanctuary. Um, and just to, yeah, absolutely keep an eye on it. But again, it can be really, really normal part of um, adolescence um, and that development that they go through. That's really, really brilliant advice and good to know it as well. Now, you know yourself, when they're preteen years and growing up, they love you to bits, they hang on every word, they adore you. But that switch, I don't have to tell you, goes like that. And suddenly... <laughs> Who is this child of mine? They don't respect me. They won't talk to me. They think I'm an idiot. So the lines of communications, you know, they break down. How do you get those reopened and connect with them again? Talk to them, you know, about things like anxiety. So, well, I'm in Limerick, Cherry, so I have to take the opportunity to (laughs) use this analogy now today. Right. You really go from being Kyle Hayes, on the middle of the pitch with them to John Kiley. You become the coach. <laughs> and that's that's really what, um, what we probably need to do as parents and what is very, very difficult. We've managed, we've, you know, we have um, done everything for them. We've advised and we've, you know, tied the shoelaces and cooked and we've been the most, probably one of the most important people in their lives. And it's not that we aren't anymore, but we have to shift our parenting focus and we shift to the role of the coach. 
We can't get out the slitter in the hurley and, you know, run onto the pitch with them. We have to do it from the sidelines. And that's where we communicate. Um, it's the communication is so important. And it's it's not us jumping in there with the solution always straight away, which may have been what we would have done when children were our children were younger. Mm. Go in with the problem solving. Let's do this. Um, it'll be OK. We can still do that. But we're we're coaching we're we're listening to them it's probably the most important thing we can do um and i think as parents sometimes my hand is raised here in limerick we try to go in there with the problem solving let me give you a solution um but actually we need to kind of take a step to the side and advise to coach to listen um and the most important thing we can do is not rush to fix it be there to listen, to empathize. I know I spoke the last day, Jerry, about empathy and how it is mm. so important. But what does it look like for them? What does it sound like for them? What does it feel like for them? Um, and then let's problem solve together. Maybe teaching them how to, you know, look at the different um problems, stresses, are there solutions, both sides of it, but it comes down to listening. They're developing that part of their brain anyway, that executive function, which will help them, you know, by the time they come to their mid-20s to make all those decisions for themselves. Um, I'm nearly 40 and I still ask my mother for advice some days, but we're really trying to help them to, to, I suppose have an outlet where, yes, I know my mom, dad, guardian, I know they're going to listen to me, but I I know that they're not going to just jump in there with a problem, you know, solving um, speech or chat that we're just they're just going to listen to me. And that really is the most important thing we can do. Oh, I can hear that word ringing in my ears from mine and they're adults now and they have their own children. You'd never listen to me. You'd never listen. And I'd be one like that maybe to jump in as well and, and give the solution. Such wonderful advice you give the coach and the analogy. And by the way, congratulations to all you Thank Limerick you. people today <laughs> because you just have the most wonderful hur- hurling team and you've gone through hell uh, for many decades until uh, this team has come along. But well done to everybody in Limerick today. Wonderful, wonderful win yesterday. Um, just coming back to, uh, you know, the, the whole area of anxiety and parents and people listening to us today and they say, well, right, we're listening to what uh, Nicola has to say. I take it techniques can be learned how to deal with this. It's not rocket science, but there is a, a methodology. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think th- the critical factor in how resilient we are or how resilient our children are and research shows this, it comes down to the quality of our relationships. Um, And that means that keeping that relationship with our children, even when they're in the room, it means that we're we're trying to be there, that they know we're there. Um, That's number one is the the, it's the critical factor Mm. is um, the relationship. But we most certainly can you know, I suppose when we talk about CBT, we're looking at those thoughts and feelings. Um, And when we also look at problem solving, it's not to maybe overly reassure, which may be what we would have done when they were younger. It's actually to ask them, is there an alternative way of thinking about this? So if, you know, your child says um, that they have an anxious thought, maybe it's based on, I'm really worried about going back to school. 
Um, and we say, oh, don't worry about that. Sure, it'll be grand and you've loads of friends. And, and that is listening and it's reassuring. But what they might um, benefit from is, is there an alternative perspective? What, what are you looking forward to about going back to school? Um, and when I'm working with parents, I often say to them, tell them about the brain. I wish, Jerry, when I was, you know, 15 and 16, I knew what was happening inside my brain. I, you know, if I, it's reassuring to know that this is normal. Teenagers with the different um, biological things that are going on, it is very normal for them to experience more anxiety. When it gets to a level where, you know, it's of concern, then we're absolutely saying speak to somebody, seek support from the GP. But for the most part, um, if I'm uh, if I have, um, you know, my daughter or my son is anxious about something like going back to school or going somewhere, then it's about looking at what's the alternative is there another way of looking at this is there another way of changing this thought and maybe the behavior maybe as i said at the beginning they have an avoidant behavior or a safety behavior so they might avoid going somewhere because you know their brain is telling them that they need to worry maybe they actually don't need to worry the best thing they can do is go. Um, and it's it's speaking to them about that and saying, OK, your brain wants you not to go. It's telling you it's not safe to go. But actually, we know that it's fine to go. Um, so looking at the behaviours and looking at the thoughts and seeing um, if we can change those, if we can help them to see that there is an alternative. So to say to them, and I'm just picking up from what you say there, you know that classic response, you'll be fine, you'll be okay, but you got to go beyond that and explore it. Accentuate uh, uh, the uh, positives, you know what I mean? Emphasise those as well. But as well, would you say to, you know, ask them, what, what are your concerns? Why are you worried? Oh, absolutely. Um, it, you know, generally, we they fit into a pattern and we can see it. So if we can help them to, you know, realize as well that good mental health does not mean being happy all the time or being positive all the time. It's about being real. It's about being resilient and saying, I can actually get through this difficult time and helping our teenagers to realize that. So it's the before, it's the during and the after. It's the the chat before. It's the you can absolutely do this. Tell your brain you can absolutely do this. Um, but after then, it's the, the the pride part that you did it and I'm so proud of you. We never get tired of um, praise and reinforcement, no matter what age our kids are. Um, so they need that as well. But we can absolutely look at how you know, what is your worry? Tell me about it. But that only comes when we're having the other chats as well. Yes. How was your day? Um, what happened last night? You know, but also respecting that if they don't want to chat about it, then that's OK, too. But it is in the quality of the relationship. So if my child feels comfortable talking to me um, about the latest pair of runners or the match on Sunday, they'll tell me other things as well. It's to keep that communication going, not just about the serious stuff that we chat about everything, really, as much as we can, because that will have an impact on what they tell us. I love what you do and the way you do it, I have to say. Now, you've a webinar coming up. When is it? What time? And how do people uh, book a place? So I have a webinar on how um, parents, teachers, um, support workers um, can support 
anxious teenagers it's on thursday the 26th so this thursday it's uh from seven to eight it's free and if um, people want to look up full circle cbt on instagram or facebook the link is there they can also email me at nicola at full circle cbt and i can send them the link to register as well Good God, free, free folks. And look at the mine of information you're going to be dipping into and how it will help you and your teenage son or daughter. Ah, Nicola, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. You're terrific. You really are. Thanks a million. Thank you, Jerry. Take care of yourself. That's Nicola Cullity there. And it's Full Circle CBT. That's Full Circle CBT on social media. She mentioned Facebook, Instagram. It's across the board there. And you can book your place for free. My favourite UB40 song has to be First recorded in 1970, but made famous by UB40 in 1989, went to number four in the UK charts and was big on the continent, number one in France and Holland. And the reason we play it is Brian Travers, the UB40 saxophonist and songwriter and founding member of the band, has passed away. He was just 62 and we remember him today uh, playing that classic from UB40. Louise, I'd say the households of Ireland don't know what to do with themselves. Love Island's finished, is it? Oh, is it? I don't know. I haven't been watching it. <laughs> I think I saw somewhere it was the last night of it or something. Anyway, good luck to it. Um, and no Rosa Tralee. Love Island gone and no Rosa Tralee. Do you think the same viewers would be watching Love Island? <laughs> No, no. (laughs) Definitely not. (laughs) (laughs) I have me doubts. It's a different dynamic altogether. Rosa Tralee viewers and Love Island, that's for sure. There is no Tralee and the voting ends tomorrow and there's two local contenders in that. There's two local mutts? Well, there's actually one mutt and one cat, kitten. Oh, in the the nose of Tralee? Yes, Winnie McFloof from Dundalk. Okay. Yeah. And Holly from Ratoth. Oh, I see. Is a dog. I see. So it's open to dogs and cats. Well, or is that just I've the new is that just the new way of the world? I've never seen a kitten before, but I could be wrong. I thought it was dogs in the past, but I could be wrong myself to be honest with you. But was a dog won it from round here in this neck of the woods previously, I know. So there's a, a nose it's really, but no really. I just wonder, I say this to you. I just wonder the Rosa Tralee. Will it be back? Yeah, I wonder. You know, it's important to carry in Tralee and tourism. I understand that and it is international. But I wonder, a two-year break now at this stage, sometimes it's hard to recapture it. You know, sometimes. I'm just saying sometimes. I'd say they have all great plans to bring it back as well. The fact is that it's international, that the roses come from all over the world. Did you watch it? Um, Not for a long time, but I used to watch it, yeah. Anyway, we had like our Dahi. we had our we had our day in the sun in the northeast. Yes, with the Rosa Tralee from County oh, Mead. Oh, we did. Your yeah. fellow county woman. She's a doctor now, isn't She's she? She's a doctor now, so she is. Yes, Win. What's her name? Uh, you God, you put me in. The, I'm embarrassed now. I'm embarrassed. You're going to have to look that up. I'll for find me there. Yeah, yeah, I'm embarrassed. But we, we, she. I remember coming in here to the studio when she was the Meath Rose, and then she went on to win. You know, through the regions and get to the to the final itself, and was the first. Uh, you know, we've never we never had a winner in Lower the Mead up to that point at all, and then she goes on to the final, and I, I this is I suspected actually. When she joined me here in the studio, uh, that, you know, she was really in contention. Alicia Brennan. 
Alicia, there you go. How could I forget her? Anyway, loads of times ah, like she was indeed. And I had a, I had a good feeling, I remember, uh, when she was here, that she'd go far. And she did, in fact, go on and win. And had a fantastic year and has qualified as a doctor now. She's a wonderful lady. And we wish Alicia Brennan from Bettystown in County Meath all the very best in her family as well. She's a lovely, lovely lady. There you go. Anyway, no rose again this year. So she'll have to do something for your entertainment in the evenings. Anything else you'd recommend? Well, we to can them? watch uh, Rory now in a few weeks, can't we? Yes, that's from the 8th of September. Rory yeah. O'Connor's coming back. Oh, there's a good... You know the autumn comes in as soon as September comes. No Glen Row, though. <laughs> Jeez, a long time it used to be a then. sure sign of <laughs> yeah, school on a yeah, Sunday night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even actually the song has been used in a TV ad mm-hmm. at the minute that school is back. Did you notice that? Yeah. The Glen Road theme song is actually on TV at the moment. But autumn is a great time because things get going again, the evenings get shorter and the TV certainly picks up. Anyway, I mentioned a gut feeling a moment ago and a gut feeling has played a big part in Andrea Mara's career as an, an author and she's back with a new book that's just gripping. I have to say, it's truly gripping. And she joins me next. My next guest was one of the last human faces that sat across the desk from me here in the late lunch studio in February 2020 before the world closed down. Yes, Andrea Mara is back with us on the show. The first book was called The Other Side of the Wall. Second one, One Click. Third was The Sleeper Lies. And she's back with all her fault. The Sunday Times Crime Book of the Month. Every week I'm looking out for it since it's been uh, released. It's in the bestsellers, riding high there in the Irish charts. And I ain't one bit surprised. It is a truly gripping thriller. Andrea, hello. Hello, Jerry. Great to be back. Oh my God, I miss you here. But this is the second best thing, the old Zoom. And the last, was it the last time you heard the car broke down? Yeah, yeah. The the kids and my husband were listening to the show outside in the car park and they had the radio on and the engine not on. So <laughs> when I got out, um, there was no going anywhere. And then your lovely, lovely staff there saved us. Two of them worked at it till we got it jump started. So thank you again to LMFM for that, for getting us safely home. Not at all. You're very, very welcome indeed. It's the least we could do. Well, listen to the Lord God Almighty Here you are, top of the pops again with this one. Tell our listeners, though, take us back to April 2015, which is really the genesis of this book. Tell them what happened. So my middle child, who was five at the time, was on a play date. She was in senior infants in school, I think. And it was her first play date with this particular friend. And I came along to collect her and I rang the doorbell and waited. And, you know, when there's no answer and you're kind of wondering, oh, is it one of those doorbells that you can't hear outside? Or if I try again, is it going to sound rude now? And these these are things I overthink anyway. I don't know if everybody does. And I did ring it again and still there was no answer. So I took a look through the glass panel and I realised that the house looked very unoccupied. I couldn't see any furniture in any of the rooms off the hall. So a bit of panic started to set in there. And the next thing, a neighbour put her head out the window and said, oh, there's no one living in that house. And I had an absolute heart attack at that stage because I thought someone's taken my child. And, you know, logically, Why would they? They had their own five-year-old. They don't need an extra five-year-old. But, you know, just in that minute, I think a lot of parents have had that experience where you lose your child in a playground or they're just not where they're supposed to be. And and your mind goes to a worst case scenario very, very quickly. So the luckily, though, the neighbor quickly explained that um, 
actually the family had just moved house and she knew where their new house was. It was about three streets over and she was able to give me their new address and everything was absolutely fine. It was just that I was working off an old address list and I really should have just texted the parents and said, can you let me know your address? thought I was being helpful by, by using the existing list. So all was well in that instance. What a moment. And I'm sure there are many listening to us today have experienced the very same. But it worked out well. There were no issues involved. And in a minority of cases, in the majority, vast majority of cases, there's never an issue. There are, of course, the minority. And we hear about those. So this kick-started the idea for this book. And Marissa Irvine believes her son Milo, who's on a post-school play date, just like your child was, uh, you know, she arrives to collect and he is actually gone. This child is missing. Yeah. So I had the idea in my notebook, in my head, along with other ideas. And a, a few years later, I was talking about it going, I think I'm going to write that one about the play date. And I was chatting it through with my older daughter, who was 11 at the time. And she said, what if instead of nobody answering the door what if a stranger answered the door and I thought yeah she's absolutely right that's even more scary so in the book Marissa calls at the door to collect her son Milo and she doesn't recognize the woman who answers the door and she kind of thinks oh maybe this is the child minder or a relative or something but when she asks for her son and the mother of the child with whom her son is playing the, the woman who answers the door has no idea who she's talking about. She's never heard of her son. She's never, she knows nothing at all about the play date. So that was really the, the conversation then with my older daughter that kind of sparked that second element to it. And it goes on from there. Um, Marissa realises that her son really isn't in the house and she doesn't know where her son is. And and in the book, uh, I want to say this to you, you know, you can imagine Marissa's emotions then at that moment and subsequently. And Jenny, who, you know, the son is going to visit, she has to, she's pulled into this, of course, as well. She has nothing to be guilty about, but certainly you pull in those emotions from a different aspect as well. Well, yeah, I mean, you've got to, you've got to have a little bit of um, blaming going on in yeah. these kind of and there's a lot of blaming goes on in real life. So that it was kind of, I'm always interested in the concept of blame and the idea that we look very quickly to see whose fault it is when something goes wrong. I mean, I suppose we've seen it a lot over the last year, whenever there's, you know, a spike in numbers, we all kind of go, well, what's after happening now? Is that because of whatever, whatever, you know? And I, I see it with my own kids. Like if someone steps on a piece of Lego, they immediately go, who left that Lego there? And I'm always trying to tell them it's okay, maybe you know, sometimes things just happen and it's not anybody's fault. So I'm, I'm really interested in that concept. So in the book, Jenny gets blamed. Marissa gets blamed because people are like, well, you know, mm. she let her child go on that play date. Did she really know the parents? And what was she thinking? And anybody who's using childcare or letting their child go on play dates gets a little bit of blame. And without giving away any spoilers, there's a, a four women in particular in the book whose voices we hear and all four of them are blamed in different ways for what's happening. So you've got a kind of a cohort of um, snide comment type people uh, coming along all the time and uh, casting blame 
on really any and all of the four main characters. But what you've done is you weave it marvellously, let me say again, that you really don't know till the very end. You think it's this body, it's not, it may be that body, and your suspicions are raised here, there and everywhere. But you've done it brilliantly again. There really is, though, in this, isn't there a trail of destruction? There's some huge secrets to be revealed, lies there as well. And you'd wonder, the thing I was thinking about, Sometimes you wonder how people live with themselves, don't you? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you have to you have to ramp it up a bit for fiction, but yes. like it's not even all that exaggerated. Like there are people who are really horrible people in the book, and a lot of them are not the horrible people who carry out the big crimes, but just the horrible people who make the nasty comments. And there's a mother-in-law character who's really not very nice at all. And there's some schoolgate mom and dad characters who aren't very nice at all. And they're not, um, I need to add, nothing to do with any of my real life schoolgate friends who are <laughs> lovely and quite the opposite of these people. But yeah, it's not always the truly evil criminal types in the book who are the nasty ones. It's it's sometimes just the everyday people dropping the comments about people's choices about work and childcare and career and family and all those kinds of things. So, I mean, I think I've been lucky. I haven't had that many uh, comments about childcare and children and family over the course of having kids and working but you do hear little things every now and then and friends would have stories every now and then of people who've made judgments about their choices so it was kind of cathartic to put those in a book too mm. Oh yes, and it all comes together to uh, bring the whole of the story brilliantly uh, to the reader uh, I, I read a lovely feature on you recently as well in one of the weekend supplements in the newspapers and you, you talk about this as well in a more general sense about a couple you know, who went on holidays and actually went for a meal and left their child in the room and you bring into the whole thing the Madeleine McCann disappearance as well. By God, that was a game changer. Yeah, and like it, it really happened that I I clearly remember this conversation with this couple and we didn't have kids at the time. So we were kind of just, you know, curious about how does it all work when you have kids and you want to go on holidays or go away for a night. So they were like, oh, yeah, it was great. We were staying in this guest house and we were able to go downstairs for dinner and we left the baby up in the bedroom in the cot and we had the phone off the hook. So I think what they must have done was dialed into the room. So there was an open line between say the room extension and the mobile phone downstairs with mm. them at the table and they were treating it as a baby monitor now that I think back it probably would have made more sense if they just brought a baby monitor but anyway um, and it, it seemed perfectly fine and we were like oh yeah I suppose you could do that and they were like yeah I mean a guest house isn't that different to your your own house at home where your baby be asleep upstairs and you're downstairs and we're thinking I suppose yeah and then yeah a year later Madeline McCann went missing obviously we we all know that story and you know the next time we talked to them they were like absolutely no way would we leave the baby upstairs in a room now because of course a guest house is a place that other people are staying in by definition whereas your own house is your own house and there shouldn't be anyone else there so I think it did probably make every parent stop and think about you know under what circumstances would they leave their kids alone and when it comes to small kids I think now most parents would be like absolutely no circumstances whatsoever like not even to pop next door to borrow a cup of sugar or whatever the modern equivalent of that is I think it really did change 
how people feel about safety and their kids and leaving them alone. And, and by extension, you developed the conversation lovely in the piece about today and all parents worrying about their children and wanting to be in contact, knowing where they are. And I laughed when you wrote about your daughter on the phone and you ringing her. Yeah, like, I mean, I suppose it never goes away. When they're small, you worry about them getting lost in a playground and you kind of want eyes on them all the time. And then they're old enough to go wherever they want on their own. But you're kind of, it takes a while to to let go of that, that leash. And in a way, for modern parents, because we have mobile phones, we're used to being able to contact them constantly. And like, I remember when I was 20, I did a J1 somewhere in America and I had to come home to repeat an exam in college. So like I got on a Greyhound bus on my own from Virginia Beach to New York. And somehow, I don't even remember how, made it from Port Authority in New York to JFK, flew home and did the same thing to go back again to Virginia Beach. And like my parents wouldn't have had any means of contacting me at all. They would have just had to cross their fingers that I made it safely home and safely back again. And I just can't imagine as a parent today being out of contact with my child. Now, my kids are younger. My eldest is 13, but I just can't imagine it because I'm used to being able to contact her all the time. And yeah, there was one evening in particular, I was ringing her and ringing her to tell her to come home for dinner and there was no answer on the phone. And immediately I'm thinking, my God, she always has that phone in her hand. How how is she not answering? Has something happened to her? Has someone kidnapped her? What's going on? I'm sure she just had the phone on silent and hadn't been paying attention to it. But I think in in some ways phones make it easier because we can all be in touch all the time but in other ways it makes it harder to let go because we're used to this constant connection and then when we don't have the connection for whatever reason I think maybe we worry more than our parents would have done perhaps. Mm, yeah when I think of it I used to go off in the mornings and my mother wouldn't see us till the darkness in the night time <laughs> we'd be gone for the day and we'd just turn off then like bad bennies and there wouldn't be a word about it so we hadn't even a bloody phone in the house but times have changed they really have um, you know we place our trust and we have to Andrea don't we and so many people who take care of our children. Yeah, like, you know, you you have to really, you don't have to let your five-year-old go on a play date, definitely not. And you don't have to use a crash and you don't even have to let your kids go to school. You can homeschool them. You know, there's there's always ways to keep them as close to you as possible. But eventually, at some point, they are going to have to go out on their own. And it's better that they go out and learn in small baby steps how to be independent, I think, anyway, than being thrown in at the deep end. So I suppose all of these things like preschool and school and starting to do play dates, maybe with a parent there at first and then eventually without, are are ways of kids learning to be independent and learning to be out there on their own because, you know, they need to do it sometime before they're 18 Mm. and asking for car keys. So we do, we have to, if we use crash, we've got to trust those people Mm. who work in the crash. And if we um, send our kids to someone else's house on a play date, you really, yeah, you're you're just trusting that those nice parents you met at the school coffee morning are not actually psychopaths. (laughs) Oh, yes, indeed, for sure. We can let the imagination run riot. Look, I'll tell you, you've done it again. I just think you get better.
better and better all of the time. And you're a great observer of life. And the way you picked up on this and developed this wonderful book from it is simply fantastic. It is a cracker, ladies and gentlemen. A summer thriller to get and read. You won't regret it one minute. All Her Fault is the name of the book by Andrea Mara. And I give it the thumbs up completely. Lovely to talk to you again. And thanks for joining us on the show and continued success. Thank you very much. Take care. Bye bye. That's the wonderful Andrea Mara there speaking to me. She's a lovely lady and a real, real talent. She really, really is. Well done to Leona Maguire. She's been selected for the Solheim Cup team. She's the first Irish woman to be picked. Louise, you heard the story breaking this morning. She was announced by Connell, isn't she? Ah, yes. She's from Cavan. I met Leona. And her sister as well, and their mum, back in 2011, on the 25th of August, in Killeen Castle. We were on the build-up to the Solheim Cup, which was played in Ireland mm-hmm. then. And we took a number of ladies around the northeast who were starting off golf. They were paired with a professional from all of the courses in the region here. Okay. And then they played a competition on that day. And we had a live outside broadcast. And I met the Maguire sisters with their mum in Killeen on that day and chatted yeah. with them. How old was she then? Oh, well, if you take, she's 26 now. That's 16. what, 10, about 16, 15, 16, the pair of them. And her other sister, who's a terrific golfer as well, uh, I think she manages Leona now. That's the way oh, it brilliant. works. Uh, but uh, congratulations to her. She's a coming star in women's tennis. I'm telling you, this girl has the talent and I'm delighted she's in the Solheim Irish Cup team. There's Liam on with another Sambo hack for you. Oh, you started <laughs> something here. Did you see that? Liam's no. just said, um, if you're stuck and that you've no electricity or the power goes down, wrap the sandwich, Louise, in foil as you did tightly. Mm-hmm. Start your car up and run the engine for about five minutes or so till the engine gets real hot <laughs> and put, open the bonnet, put the Sambo in on the engine <laughs> and she'll toast <laughs> Like mad, this is Liam. I love it. Probably do a few extra miles as yeah, well. Listen, you could actually maybe drive along as right and then stop and eat your sandwich as well. There's a good one for you. That's a great hack, Liam, this afternoon. The sandwich and the foil on the engine of the car. Or, or maybe just eat the sandwich without toasting it. <laughs> I know, the lovely toasted. The lovely toasted. There might be a few fumes, fumes around yeah. that one there. But if you an electric car, it wouldn't be a problem, of course. Anyway, Liam, thanks for your suggestion. Appreciate it. Yes, Artist of the Week. Love story to come after three. Ah, uh, here we go again with the teachers. I see the National Association of Secondary Teachers of Ireland are rattling the sabres before a classroom door has been opened. I take it all teachers have been vaccinated. You know, you're... You're, you know, you're front-facing staff. You're in the front line as teachers. I'm sure with the time frame there's been since schools clocked out and now that the teachers will have protected themselves fully. That's number one. That's an absolute given, I take it. And I'm sure as the year progresses, you know, there are certain uh, ways of operating required in classes and that. Plenty of ventilation, monitors, everything, testing, all that will have to be come in and be part and parcel of the new school year. And we will have outbreaks, that's for sure. But they're wonderful, aren't they? Well, they're wonderful. Before the ball is even kicked or even thrown in, the teachers are away. Watch this space. I'll be watching carefully, I promise you, during the year as uh, events unfold. You're at late lunch on LMFM Radio this Monday afternoon. Now... It's time for my Artist of the Week. He was born on May 13th, 1950. Stevland Hardaway Morris was his name. Who am I talking about? He was the third of five children begotten to Lula May Hardaway and dad Calvin Judkins. 
he was blind from birth. Yes, arriving six weeks prematurely. And his mother and dad divorced not too long after little Stevie was born. Yes, I'm talking about Stevie Wonder, my artist of the week this week. And the mum moved with the children when the divorce happened uh, to Detroit. And young Stevie, as a child, joined the White Zone Baptist Church Choir and he had some voice. He also began learning to play piano, drums and harmonica. When only 11, Stevie, known as Little Stevie Wonder at that stage, recorded a couple of albums. The debut album was called The Jazz Soul of Little Stevie. It came out in September 62 and it was followed a month later by a tribute to Uncle Ray. Yes, a tribute to Ray Charles. A number of singles issued from the albums, but little success ensued. However, his next album, The Twelve-Year-Old Genius, yielded a first number one in the States with fingertips. It topped the charts for 13-year-old Stevie Wonder. He was only 13. It was a new record, the youngest ever at the time to top the charts. He then dropped the little from his name and became simply known as Stevie. And, of course, as he grew up, his voice matured and changed through the 60s, the mid into the late 60s, and his music and songs began to really make their mark. Today, I've picked a big hit from the 60s to begin my week of Stevie Wonder in words and songs. Two in the USA, three in the UK. Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder, my Artist of the Week this week. And a classic for once in my life. Number two in the USA, number three in the UK in the late 60s. And my story about Stevie and his wonderful music continues round about this time tomorrow afternoon on Late Lunch. Now we're heading to our final break of the day this Monday, the first uh, show of the week this week. And we have a story for you. A love story that began in Millbrook in Old Castle and weaved its way to the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco. Stay with us. George Ezra in Paradise on your late lunch this Monday afternoon. I know what happened. I'm sure they're still in bed all lovey-dovey. Nolene Lang and Frankie Griffin. We were talked to talk to them in San Francisco at this time and everything was arranged, but we can't raise them at all. Oh, sure, when you're in love and a love story happens like theirs, who could blame them? Why would they be getting out of bed at a quarter past seven in the early hours of the morning? But standing in is the wonderful Alma Purcell, the PRO of Old Castle GFC. Hello, Alma. Hi, how are you getting on? <laughs> Any port in a storm. Sorry, Alma, I didn't mean that, but you're great to help us out today. But the love boards, we just can't raise them at the minute. Tell me the story of what happened. And Millbrook, of course, is your home ground, Old Castle there. But this love story began there. Yeah, yeah, this is it. We we uh, had a walkathon last year, and as part of that, we had an overseas team. So basically, anyone from Old Castle that was, you know, anywhere around the world, people in South Korea and. Asia, we had all over America, and one of those people was uh, Nolan in San Francisco. And throughout the year, and I wouldn't know her in early real life, I just remember from years ago, she was telling me then during the year when we said we were going to have another walk on that uh, Millbrook was very special to herself and Frankie because when she was home a couple of years ago, I think 2007, uh, they started walking there, and she was trying to get fit, and the pair of them were walking, and 
was a little spark there anyway and as the weeks went on and the walking and the running and we did this love story began so mm. she was delighted to take part overseas again and herself and Frankie walked us over the weekend and sent very generous donations and we got the whole story and it was great crack altogether. Yes, so it all began in Millbrook when she was home on a short break. I think it might have been 2017 she was here and uh, she met Frankie and they went on the first date in Millbrook. Oh, when you yeah. think about it. And then the walking and the running started and everything else besides from there. And now she stayed here for about a year or so, I believe. And then he up sticks and went back to her to live in San Fran. That's right, yeah. Yeah, it was a great story now and, and they're still over there and still love and they were looking over the Golden Gate Bridge for us this again and sent back <laughs> photographs for the walkathon and they've all the Irish community over there supporting us and it's great all together now, yeah. Oh, they're lovey-dovey. That's why they went uh, up to take the call with us this morning. Or maybe they're just exhausted after all the walking over there the weekend. I, I, won't, I won't comment on that. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, let's just speculate myself as they say. Yeah. Anyway, th- this walk is important to the club there, isn't it? in terms of a fundraiser. Ah, it is, yeah. We've done great work at Melbourne now the past couple of years and we have a one kilometre walking track and a brand new juvenile pitch and it's all pretty much just finished now with a biodiversity garden and it's, it's fantastic. So just to pay off the last bills, we had the walk ton uh, there on Friday from 6pm and finished at Saturday at 6pm and it was brilliant. Loads of people supporting us and please God, we'll, we'll cheer them all. Thunder, lightning, storms, nothing oh. stopped you. Nothing stopped us. Lurkin Fox's team was out at 10 o'clock Friday night and the heavens opened and then my team was out 2 o'clock Saturday and jeez, it rained and it poured and the skies were black but come 6 o'clock it was all over the sunshine and everyone was out and there was burgers and music and it was brilliant. Do you ever feel you're a little bit of an independent republic on the outskirts of County Mead there? Ah, uh, definitely. Well, I tell you, I'm from Calvin myself now and I always think of Calvin as like a bit of Calvin so it's all good. <laughs> it's, we were just saying myself, Louise, it's a lovely town where the four roads converge there. I know it well. If I was tipping over to Sheelan to do a, fi- a bit of fishing, you know, we go through Old yeah, Castle. Yeah. And you know what? It has that old world feel to it still, hasn't it? It does, it is. It's like an undiscovered corner, really, and with La Crew. And I mean, there's so many lovely areas around Old Castle. The scenery, no matter which road you go out, it's just breathtaking. So yeah. it's a lovely part of the world. Now, everyone should visit. Yeah, absolutely. You should check it out. It is undiscovered, I have to tell you there, and lots happening around it. So Nolene and Frankie probably walked, walked in sunshine over there and the sweat tripping out of them. I'd say so, yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. And everyone back in this neck of the woods soaked to the skin. There you go. Anyway, listen, well done on the marathon, uh, the, sorry, the uh, the walkathon, should I say, and good luck to Old Castle and everybody there at Millbrook. Thank you for ah. taking our call, Alma. No bother. Thanks, William. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We'll have to get that pair in the state sooner rather than later. Anyway, that's almost a lot. One final update on the... The uh, toasted sandwich via the iron. Liam's suggesting to put it in the bonnet of the car. Tell them about the crayons. There's another one with the crayons if you're stuck to toasted sandwich. Oh, well, I don't know whether we can toast, actually toast the sandwich. But you but get a fire going, would you? Well, no, if you were stuck for light. Yeah. If you light a crayon. Okay. A crayon gives would give you enough uh, light for 30 minutes. A crayon that they colour the books in with. Mm, yeah. And if you lit a few if of them... you had sure, no candles. Well, I tell you, sure, if you lit a few of them in a little vessel... you get a, a rainbow. A, a, <laughs> you'd, you'd get a fire going, a little grill, and you could toast your sandwich as well. I'm talking about multiple <laughs> crayons there. So there's another late tip for you, a late hack. If you need to get a little fire going at any stage or light, 
the crayons, your man. But update on this on the toasted salmon. <laughs> <laughs> We've had nobody offering to eat it. <laughs> yeah, we might just push that aside. It, it is right. Anyway, tomorrow on late lunch, uh, we will have Professor Paul Miner. As I said, I didn't think we'd have him with us, but this thing just keeps taking legs. The COVID. So Professor Paul back with us tomorrow. If you have any questions about your dogs, your cats, or anything else besides Vetchinade, Kelly is back with us in our regular slot veterinary advice coming up on late lunch to two uh, tomorrow and if you want to get in touch with us uh, uh, this evening or whatever late lunch at lmfm.ie if you want to send us in a question for Sinead you can email it in late lunch at lmfm.ie or the usual mo- numbers when she's on or ahead of her being on with us tomorrow afternoon and Pat Kane is with me she operates a, a, a most wonderful shop called Reusey Yes, it's called Reusey, so the tip is in the name, R-E-U-Z-I. Pat's joining me for a sh- chat on the show tomorrow afternoon on the theme of sustainability, which we're following uh, on late lunch here now these uh, days and weeks. Have a lovely evening. It's beautiful there. Get out into the garden. I'm out to cut the grass. You will have bags of the stuff to go to the recycle centre, I know, and some to my compost bin as well. You can't put it all in or you'll get an old slime out of it. Anyway, it will be recycled. I get in there this evening, get that done, but in Enjoy the beautiful weather that's coming our way over the next week or so. Anyway, Eddie's coming next with the drive. Wonderful music on the way. Stay with us here on LMFM Radio. We'll be back with a brand new Late Lunch from 1.30 Tuesday. See you then. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. Discover the all-new Renault traffic at Blackstone Motors and get a five-year warranty and low APR with same-day business finance. Call our van specialist Danny today. See blackstonemotors.ie If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.